0: Welcome to the Influent Podcast, Developing Leadership, Building Success, and Influencing Society. For more resources, visit us online at Influent.life.
1: Hi, Bob Fraser here, back again with Influent Live. Uh, welcome back. This week we have a uh, special guest, Les Waller. Les has been a leadership consultant for Fortune uh, 500 companies, many of them uh, for almost three decades now, and is going to be talking about kingdom leadership. So we're going to dive right in. Welcome, Les. It's awesome to have you here, buddy. Good to be here. Thank you. I've I've known you for many, many years. You've you've been a part of of, uh, the uh, uh, leadership teams at the House of Prayer and have spoken into a lot of these things. And, and, uh, of course, we have beautiful Kelly. Miss Canada and and Brevin Woodzak, who is our uh, local marine (laughs) (laughs) and uh, a leadership leadership junkie. You love this stuff, right? So we're going to be talking about kingdom leadership, and so we're going to have have a fun today. But give us a little bit of just your background. You know, so you've consulted for a lot of companies. I mean, a lot of Fortune five hundred companies, and doing a lot of things. Give us a little taste of what that was.
2: Let's see. Um, After After that length of time, I uh, actually really focused a lot on strategic alignment and and the the resultant gap analysis. What's your strategy? What kind of leadership does it take to execute it? What kind of leadership do you have? What's the gap? And then try to help you close the gap, which then led me to a a leadership selection work and and, uh, leadership development and coaching. So I think those are the three pillars of what so I you, did.
1: S- you started out with the Navy, right? Uh, but then you worked for some very big companies. Uh, so give us some of the names of the companies that you worked for, I mean really well-known names.
2: Um, okay. I'm always a little reluctant to, to do that, but I worked for um, um, Merrill Lynch, I worked for uh, General Electric, I worked for actually um, even some you know, search firms, Hydric uh, and Struggles. Um, I worked with, with companies that are good size, but you don't know, VHA, which is the largest, country's largest healthcare consulting firm. Mm.
1: And, and, so you, and you came in at the highest levels. I mean, you came in, you're almost always or, at the executive levels. Sometimes. Yeah,
2: Yeah. sometimes. I would say more often than not, um, since that uh, the, uh, probably 40% of my work usually started with, with uh, strategic alignment. And primarily because a lot of it was my background, um, I I worked for GE Healthcare Mm -hmm. for a decade and was a graduate of their management program and I was a VP at the world's largest contract research firm. So I ended up with also some number of technology organizations, including, including government technology work.
1: So strategic alignment is, is what, helping, helping companies align with their, with their skill sets and their value
2: systems? Or? Um, the right people in the right place at the right time was my, my centerpiece, but it's also really um, getting, getting yourself aligned. M- most consultants start with your vision. I start with your marketplace. It's without customers king. Without customers in market segments, you don't have anything and and part of it is what's your markets today, what are there in the future, and then identity, your mission, your vision, your, your, your basically your values, your st- roles down in a sequence, your strategies, your goals, then what kind of leadership do you need, what kind of systems and processes do you need, right on to the measurements, and out the other end comes your culture, because culture is how we do things around here, and the, you don't change your culture with bone chilling speeches, you change <laughs> it by changing your behavior.
1: <laughs> Which is the hardest thing to do, right? <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> it, isn't, it isn't what you say, it's what it's you, you do. It's what you do, and it's, it, many times the senior, senior management <laughs> we, teams. Have you ever seen misalignment in those things? <laughs> <laughs> um, I refuse to answer that your <laughs> <laughs> honor because it might incriminate me. <laughs> oh. yeah. so, um, but the, the, the culture piece is really interesting because it, it's amazing the number of organizations that think with a little communication and, and, and some words that they can actually change their culture. And the truth is they got to change their, their behavior.
1: So, right. But it's really cool. I mean isn't this a great opportunity to bring in. Kingdom values and
2: kingdom concepts and kingdom principles. It is. It is. I um, The. I, I think a, a place to respond to that is. Um, um, I'll, I'll maybe touch on my near-death experience because. It, yeah, in, this in is a minute, this is well. I've known you for years, and honestly, I never heard this story. It, so you got to tell it. But but I'll I'll, I'll back into it. So okay. r- right after my near-death experience, I said <laughs> I think I, I think I have to buy a Bible. And so I was just getting into studying leadership and I, I started reading the Bible and, and of course I started in the beginning and I said, I'm not even sure I'm getting this. So I got a, <laughs> I, I got out a, a legal pad and I was getting up early in the morning and I said, okay, I'm gonna read the Bible. Going from, through the begats and I, trying I'm, to I'm gonna out. read this from the beginning <laughs> to the end and I'm gonna find, and I'm gonna take notes. On, on leadership because I was Ooh. interested in leadership and strategy wow. so I spent a year one actually year year and a half just reading the Bible after my near-death experience and that is actually it was that experience that actually started positioning me to wow. to change everything because mm-hmm. I I, I, I'm, I'm also a bit of a, of a research junkie even though I have a liberal arts background. So what happened is I get to the New Testament and I'm going like you know there's some patterns here and one of them was that Jesus asked 308 questions in the gospels and I said wait a minute. In terms of leadership here's the person who's had more impact on the world than anybody and he's asking questions, telling stories, and certainly praying, doing what the father told him to do and setting an example, but what we have here is all of these, I don't know how many hundreds of books have been written on leadership, and what we're seeing here is a very simplistic, different kind of leadership that... I want to hear more. That, that is not, it, I mean we, we talk about command and control, we talk about consensus, we talk about managed debate, and we have somebody who's, who's walking around asking questions. Mm-hmm. And so, I, so, so that triggered, I, I said okay, I need to understand uh, there's something about the leadership model that we're using in, in business and, and, and many other places that I don't know. Even Christian organizations that doesn't look right to me. So I start studying, learning how to learn, and teachable spirit because questions are where learning starts. It's inquiry, you know, answering the why, what, how kinds of questions. So I I start looking at that, and and so I I actually developed. Started that must have been what thirty years ago. Thirty. 25 years ago, I started developing a different, different definition of leadership that is, I, I call it, is really kingdom leadership. Mm-hmm. Tell us, what is it? It's the willingness and ability to support and serve others so that they can discover meaning, so that they can successfully handle situations and challenges effectively no matter what they are. Mm. Say, say, say exactly. that again. <laughs> it's it's the willing, and, uh, willingness and ability to help people discover meaning, so that they can help serve others to, to more effectively meet the challenges they'll be confronted with. So that is so
1: different. That is so different than what <laughs> others are saying. That's right. It's not about self-actualization necessarily, right? It's about serving number one, and and it's about, about helping them find meaning. Right? It's finding, it's discover meaning. The meaning's already there, God put it there. I have actually have a quote of yours in my first book, <laughs> Marketplace Christianity, and it says, leaders create meaning so that, that others can think and act. That's right, mm. that's and, and, exactly and that's, what they do. That, I thought that mm-hmm. is what true leaders do. They create meaning, and then people rally around meaning. Mm. You know, That's great. Isn't that, isn't that really good? I mean, yeah. I, think, I think managers create systems and processes, yeah. but leaders create meaning, the why. The why is the main thing.
0: So, so as, a, as a leader, if I'm in a business meeting, I am I'm own the business, I'm in the meeting, or whatever, a church group, I'm leading a small group, my role as the leader of that group is to either help people discover the meaning or create the meaning that then allows them to meet
2: the challenge. Right, but let's connect the dots. It has okay. to do with the questions. Because if I ask a question mm-hmm. and y- y- it gives the, the Spirit of God, it gives the Holy Spirit room, white, wh- white space to work. So I don't have to take the Holy Spirit's job description. It's the skill is, the, it, it, is it, and to inquire the Holy Spirit what question, but the skills in the question. Yeah, and, and the questions create, ex- people expose themselves
1: when they answer the questions, right? You learn a lot about where people are at by by their
2: answers. For example, you come and you have got a new hot technology and you want money and I say I got one question. What would the world be missing if we don't do this? <laughs> That's a good question. And all of a sudden uh, uh, all uh. of a sudden we've changed the game. Mm. Uh-huh. It, it is, not, it is so not you,
1: Do you have a list of really good questions?
2: Uh, You've f- read as a book a called A List of Really Good Questions. As a matter of fact, um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, s- the summer that I, I worked with the research consortium I was with, the L- laminger group, um, we, we designed a, 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 some software called the Leadership Architect and the Selection Architect. So in the Selection Architect that summer I wrote 634 questions. And 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 related to the behaviors we were looking for, and tried to identify five or six of the things we were looking for, if the question, if the response to the question revealed that competency or didn't. Wow. So hmm. so yeah, I've got this big chunk of my life where I tried to figure out what, but see that it, it's working backwards, because because in order to do that, I have to say what's the experience that would that would give you the opportunity to be able to speak to 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 this type of competency like planning or 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 dealing with ambiguity. And so then you design the That's question. Awesome. You design the question based on the experience so that somebody like in an interview can talk about that and then you have to say wow. so what would it look like if they did planning well? What are the five or six things or what are the five, six they didn't
1: So this is this is how you did the whole selection thing. Yeah. So it actually you, 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 In selection, you figured out the right questions to ask,
2: it's and then it revealed who that person was. It's all about the question and the probes that you ask after the question. Wow. Describe the situation, how did you handle it, why did you do it that way, what did you learn from it, and have you used the learning? Because otherwise, see the people that get hired are what? They're the smart people with good verbal skills. That doesn't mean they can do it Or good looking. Yeah. does Doesn't <laughs> mean. I always get hired. <laughs> I know. I know. Like like. I used to get hired a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> like they say in the like I say in the NFL, you're great in the weight room, but are you going to hit anybody uh-huh, on Sunday? Right. right. What are you going to do on Sunday? Yeah. Anyway. That's yeah. Great. So what's your point about that? My my, uh, my my point about it is that asking questions and and having it be a thoughtful. Having it be a discerning, a, 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 asking good questions is a game changer. Mm. And, and it's really interesting, is we're just starting to see, after all of these years, outside of the psychological profession, we're starting to see research and things on questions. There are now three books that have come out in the last five years on how to ask good questions. Wow, mm. wow, Th- it, that, is, that is
1: so good, that is so good. You know, you know it's interesting, so you're teaching people how to, how to serve others, and as a leader, you're teaching them how to create meaning. Now, you know, isn't that, well, I guess it isn't a little challenging for a secular, secular company because they think we're, we're doing good, right? We're, we're bringing, we're changing something for the better. So you, you actually get them to align with their noble purposes, right? And then you teach them how to be servants as,
2: as you know, and to facilitate those purposes through being servants. Well, it's because back in my early days at GE, I had, I'll I'll quickly tell this story, I had a job that changed my life. Um, I got, when when Welch took over. And for uh, those that don't know, GE is kind of the
1: management place, right? They they pioneered management science and mm. were world famous for it. Some of it's been kind of debunked lately, but but they were really, that was the top place to be a manager.
2: And so Jack Welch took over our group, the medical chemical group, and um, I at the time, was w- I I I'd just come off program so I had I had I had, I had what does that mean? <laughs> that like means that for two oh. years I had six different jobs and went to class to, two nights a <laughs> week, oh and so and I rotated through <laughs> through four different departments. Oh, that, so and that was their training. That was their methodology to train their managers is lots of
1: cross training, lots and of exposure two, right.
2: and, and class. And so so Welch, w- w- there was a lot of open jobs after he took over. So, one of our, uh, our poorest performing plant building x-ray, x-ray tables, um, they decided for some reason that I never understood that I should take over as a plant manager. And so now I inherit 1,100 people and nine foremen and, and they're looking at me like I'm an hors d'oeuvre because they've all been there like 25 years and they know that I don't know what I'm doing. All the guys <laughs> in the shop know that I don't know what I'm doing. And do you know you don't and, know what to do? That, <laughs> that's, see, that's what changed my life. And I go, I don't know what I'm doing. So that start of, uh, of, uh, the start that's of the start of every tr-
1: start of true wisdom.
2: D- the right start there. of every day, I grabbed the clipboard, and grabbed the that department foreman, and went around and asked the guys who, who who made the difference out in the shop, what can we do to remove the roadblocks so you can do your job the way you believe it should be done. Uh-huh. And one year later, we went from last place in, in job cost output to first. Yeah, and I that sounds like TQM. I, I had no idea what I was doing uh-huh. except I I asked the question that gave us the list wow. of the roadblocks to remove so that people could do because people want to do well. And mm-hmm. they, and yeah, and they're saying they, they know what needs to be done. Right, they wa- they're just. They don't have a system. But nobody to, asks the question. To, then nobody's right. asking. Question. And that job changed my life because I, then I said, "Hey, if I could survive this under Welch, I can do any job." Right. And then, and and further, th- that's that's probably of all the things that helped me in consulting is, is it's the, see, the problem with our, even with our culture and, and our leadership myth is we have to have the answers. I don't have to ask the answers. I have to have the right questions. Mm.
0: That is so right. Yeah, that's good. That yes, so right. So, so Les, uh, I'd, I'd like to jump in. So, our audience, I mean, we want to give people tools to become leaders. Our audience wants to become leaders. Can you, I mean, you're the leadership guru. Mm-hmm. Can you explain to us what is a leader? What differentiates a bad leader from a good leader? Or if there, is there such a thing as a good leader? Let's start with the fact yeah. that,
2: that all leaders have usually one or two or three towering strengths and, and, the, and the key is that they know what they are and they know when to hold them and when to fold them. And the flip side of that is they don't have any fatal flaws. So if, if that, that's why awareness and self-awareness not only of what you're good at and not good at, but, but the impact that your behavior is having on other people is, is so important. So yes, there are, some, there are good leaders and um, maybe, maybe not as many as we'd like but but this this the whole issue of, of self awareness and knowing what you're good at and not good at is, is a showstopper mm. I, I think that's easier as you get older too, to to d- i think you get more aware of your
1: limitations as you get older and find people know? to supplement you work that's, on your that's strength that's right. find people to and, supplement and as long your as penis. and it is the biggest impediment is when you don't you think you're everything mm. then you don't <laughs> let you people step mm. into those gaps and yeah. you actually you're d- it's destructive but if you if you know what you're not and you you can you can let people <laughs> fill the gaps and you compensate for those things and you, right. you don't destroy people in the middle of those things you can actually that's that is so true the biggest problem to work with is people who think they are something when they're
2: not well they believe them well it's it's a, they believe something that is is, is true but but the the discerning the the, the the reason they get fired isn't what they think it is it, it, everybody believes and it's partially true that they get fired for not executing or getting things done but that's not the problem the problem is why didn't they get them done 90% of people get senior execs and leaders get terminated or fail because of peep of the their people skills it's all about how they get things done with and through people and that's why they didn't execute and that's why they end up looking for another job
1: interesting you know
2: th- Let me just make a comment here because um,
1: I'll just make a statement here. I believe you as a consultant, by bringing these principles of of servant leadership and of positive culture, of of values-aligned culture, I believe you have dramatically brought the kingdom of God to planet Earth okay now now most people probably balk at that statement but my contention and and this is the problem this is the problem as christians we do not understand the kingdom to most christians the kingdom is when somebody you know raises their hand in a meeting somebody gives their life to the lord which we love somebody gets healed right um these kind of things but the kingdom also comes when the value systems align if if a a wife beater stops beating their wife, if, if a drunk stops being a drunk, if whatever, if slavery is eradicated. And so my contention is that, is that the kingdom has been brought. And, and, and to me, this, this is one of the reasons why Christians have trouble engaging the planet, is because they don't see the value, they, don't, they haven't connected it to the kingdom. And understand that we are all massive engines of reform by simply practicing our faith, and especially as a teacher, I, I contend you are a teacher of the faith, even though it's fully secular and fully <laughs> accepted.
0: Right.
2: Well, part of the, you just triggered a thought. See, part of don't it. How would you is, agree
1: with that statement?
2: I agree, and, okay, and man, a, come on, man, a big, a big problem box. is we don't know what the word values mean. We, we, th- we don't know the difference between a preference and a belief. We think values are something we like, A value is a firmly held belief that we use regularly to guide our behavior. It's Mm. not a preference of what, it's not aspirational of what we like. It's a firmly held belief that we use to make decisions. Well, And and when Jesus said, Jesus
1: said, go into all the world, make disciples of all all nations, teaching Mm. them to obey my commandments. He's not talking about a prophetic obedience, right? He's talking about this value system that he's saying be adherent, be an adopter of my system of living, my way of living, my value system, is really what he is after. And so we, I I would argue that you have been a fulfiller, and I'm just gonna gonna poke you. (laughs) I believe, I'll just argue you've been a fulfiller of the Great Commission. By, by actually teaching the value systems of mm-hmm. God. And, and I just want this out there because this is simply not understood. But I think it's really important. I think the kingdom has dramatically come. As a man who has spent 30 years of his life reforming cultures of <laughs> one at a time, right? Individual lives and, and companies that are different because of that. And we, as the hundreds of millions and billions of believers who do that in every, everyday life, the system is changing. Yeah, right. He's discipling the system by bringing oh, order. Oh. Yeah, and truth. Absolutely. Cool.
2: Well, yeah, I, I guess yeah. The reason I didn't jump on that, <laughs> I, I I was my memory my <laughs> memory was winding. I don't believe in, in the marketplace. I have ever at a company I was consulting with led anybody to the Lord. Right. I think I think I'm I'm, I'm zero. So for, some people I'm zero would, for would, five thousand. Some people
1: would say, on, <laughs> and the kingdom value system, you're a zero. I'm, I'm arguing I'm zero. that you're you're a
2: hundred. However, you know, and I may, I may get to the near death experience. I we do I, I do have an advantage <laughs> because I can say, "Hey, you know, I may see this differently. I can drop this at coffee or whatever after I've got. I'm a relationship trusted advisor guy, and I might say, "Hey, you know, I may see this a little differently than you do because I'm one of those guys that had a near-death experience, <laughs> went down the death tunnel, and got thrown before the light of God. And I may see it different." And they they will that that, that that's a conversation that, starter. That, right yeah, there. that's a that's a conversation <laughs> starter because then they have to hear about it, and they have to that, hear yeah. hear what happened. Uh, and they and and so th- wow. th- that so I've left a lot of seeds and sometimes <laughs> wow. sometimes three and four years later I will get an email that says hey you changed my life so wow I, I mean
1: Dude, I, this I, is this is awesome this is why you know I'm just so glad you didn't decide to you know go to the Amazon and become a missionary okay yeah, because. I think your impact is so enormous and mm-hmm. I, I just my heart is for Christians to I mean if you're called to the Amazon do it but mm-hmm. but golly for the 97% of Christians who are not called I want us to engage the system and bring the value system of heaven right and bring God in to whatever
2: degree we are empowered to do so Absolutely. and 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 do that y- you know it's interesting again is of w- when I'm like doing teaching or or in a discussion and I use the example of of the power of power of questions and I tie it to parenting I probably had more people remember that story of and and it's just just a simple one with that that got better as I understood as I understood the power of questions a little bit later so when you know, I, I told the story. The son comes to me. My son comes to me and says, "Dad, what time should I be home tonight?" I say, "What time do you think you should be home tonight?" <laughs> well, um, I don't know. What time are your friends going to be home? Okay. What <laughs> if you were me? What time would you tell you to be home? Mm. <laughs> and I never tell him. Yeah, no, that's powerful. I, <laughs> I <laughs> never tell him. <'em>. And <laughs> it's so it's gonna be a little <laughs> stressful for the poor kid. Like,
0: oh, my God.
2: But well, no. How how how? Are, well, first of all. Discover meaning. How wow. are they going to learn to make decisions when I'm not around? Right. Unless... Ooh, that's good, man. You're wow. connecting
1: I, them to reality. Yes, unless
2: unless mm. they learn to make decisions and they learn to run their own mm. life. That's
1: so right. That's that good. That's so right. That's the failure of parenting. Mm. So. Speaking of failure, you speak, you've written this book called The Skill. The most critical tool needed to increase your potential performance and profitability, the Swiss Ooh. Army knife here. But you, you have so many awesome concepts. I mean, from all your years of leadership, I mean, you talk about the art model, but you talk about failure. What, you know, you just kind of hit on that. Why don't you share with us your, your thoughts on failures? We're all in business, and we, we hit the fan sometimes. <laughs> Why don't you share your heart about failure? Okay.
2: Foundational principle, the learning zone is outside the comfort zone. And Ooh. the single greatest prediction, Say that again. The <laughs> learning zone is outside the comfort zone. Because if you're comfortable and you know how to do it, where's the learning? Yeah. Okay, so the learning zone's outside the comfort zone. And so, therefore, if, since that has face validity, if that's <laughs> true, if that's true, yeah. then you want to do what? You want to do things that aren't comfortable, that you don't know how to do, you don't want to do, you maybe even can't do. And that's w- <laughs> that's where you would develop your learning and your 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 character. Mm-hmm. So what? But it also means that you're uh, you're opening yourself wide open for failure. Wow! Yeah. Right? Because because you're gonna try, you're gonna not do it well probably the first time. So why do we learn, that? now I just answered a bunch of whys, but the, the final one is, why do we learn more for failure? Well, when we debrief our experiences, 70% of behavioral learning comes from experiences. Ten percent, Only 10% comes from reading and class, 20% comes from coaching and role models, and that's, that's Center for Creative Leadership Research, so now, if I fail, I debrief it. I say, what went wrong here? What could I do different? What da, da, da. If it went well, I just check it off. I must have been lucky. Look at, I'm such a good, I, look at my skills. I mean, me and it went well. Look at how good I am. And I get trapped by my own, I get, I get trapped in my own successes. Mm. And so I don't learn from my experiences and I stay the same. You stop growing. I yeah. stop growing. That's why it's the Swiss Army knife because it the that that what ability to learn from your experiences is the greatest predictor that you'll be successful in anything.
1: Mm.
2: The ability to learn from, from your experiences, experiences is as the long greatest? as yeah, but you need to be you need to have experiences.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's right. Now, isn't that connected to the A R T T model that you speak about?
2: Well, it well it is because you can you can go through the experiences on autopilot. I mean, I mean. Uh, what do I mean by that? You, most of us spend. Where well, you don't debrief. Well, you, you don't debrief, and you don't say what what did I. What did I, what did from I get this? from yeah. this? Now, for example, um, well, I, I I lead two home groups. So what what are the things I say? I say, look, here's my advice to you is in the morning, before you get out of bed and you're staring half awake and and you're not, and you haven't started processing your to-do list or figuring out what you were going to wear, ask the Lord, Lord, what can I do to please you today? What is it it that, that you would like me to do, point out something? And then shut up for a while. Then you don't get up. And at the end of the day, debrief and say, Lord, what did I do that went well, that pleased you, that was in your will, and what are the messes I need to clean up? And, and debrief, Be, because, um, um, well, yeah, I was in the Navy, and the, I mean, we had a ready room, and the pilots, you know, go and understand the mission before they launch, right? And after the mission, the last thing they do is they mm-hmm. do brief, and they debrief, and they ask just three questions. What went well, what didn't, and what are we going to do different? Yeah. Bang, 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 bang.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, it sounds like to me, based on my question earlier, what what is a leader, and you spoke on... A leader knows himself or him, his or herself. So that debriefing is kind of really the portal to being able to discover who you are, what you're good at. Um, Would you say, would you say that, that, that debriefing is so essential? I mean, if a, if a leader is someone that knows himself, that's the portal to it.
2: Yeah, that's the that's the awareness part because earlier we referenced you know the right. the ARTT model uh, aware and reflect target and try is is awareness is not only what am I good at and not good at mm-hmm. and when to hold them and when to fold them but what's the impact of my behavior what's going on in this situation and what should I could I do it's it's looking at alternatives rather than either just getting caught into your uh, quick emotional gut response or. Or, or thinking it through. So uh, yeah, awareness, when, when the um, Center for Creative Leadership did their success and failure study in organizational life, the, sh- the results were actually shocking because they found the number one issue between, between success and failure for, for people at multiple levels, supervisor, manager, and, and, and executive was lack of awareness, lack of self-awareness, was the so greatest true. predictor of the mm-hmm. th- those that, those that, that in this longitudinal study, they studied the same 600 people across a broad section of different organizations, the greatest predictor of the difference with those that got promoted or had highly s- successful uh, uh, runs over the seven year period and those that got moved laterally down or out was awareness. Awareness, uh, awareness self-awareness. Self-awareness. Th- they the, it's I call it the actor director metaphor. Mm. Is is if, if you could see yourself as a, an outsider or somebody else see you or better saw, sees you or or better yet if you were an actor in your own movie and you were God or, and 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 the Holy Spirit was talking to you what 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 would you see? In fact, Ma- Malcolm Gladwell wrote this humorous book. That it was really insightful. It's called "What Did the Dog See." If you could see yourself outside yourself, mm. ch- it changes everything. It, in fact, is it's it's one of it's one of the interesting. It, it, it's an objective perspective
1: yep. on yourself. If you and if, yep. so few people so that, yeah. have it, so few people have it. And so it is.
0: we it's need to be leaders. It. We need to be self-aware. The world. Which, which, As Christians, which, we have to. The world needs us to be yeah, leaders. Which, so in order to be leaders, we have to be self-aware. That's right. So it's the biggest differentiating to, factor. To, to me, it's, part, we have it's, to be
1: it's, it's rooted in humility, mm. right? It's, under, it's being able to take criticism, being able to understand that, hey, I'm not the whole, I'm not the whole pie. You know, I don't yeah. have everything. I, I've got a few things. I'm good at a few things. You know, and so, and it's, it's letting other people be great in your midst and be better than you and not being threatened by it, right? Right. Mm. And and hearing them and
2: receiving them in areas where you're weak. Yeah. You know. But this comfort zone thing is a, is a big deal, I wanna go back to that for one minute, is stress d- drives you to d- default to your comfort zone. As, okay. the st- as the stress goes up, you will try to find your habit or your comfort place, Yeah. rather than come out of your comfort zone and and, and try new things. I mean, with, like for example, there's a myth that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Right. There is no research anywhere. That, That's uh, interesting. That hmm. th- that to support that, okay. that your ability to learn new behaviors at age 20 is the same as age 70. What's really? But what's the problem? The problem is as you age.
1: You yeah, don't want to You're
2: like. unwilling to come <laughs> out of <laughs> yeah. your comfort zone and try new interesting. things. Interesting. And so, so, so it's a voluntary, old mm. dog not learning new things, if yeah. you wanted to.
1: You know, we, we're, we're running out of time, but I wanna hit one, one thing, I kinda wanna end with this, and we didn't get to your near-death experience, but maybe next time. The, you know, you said something absolutely profound to me uh, when we were just talking ahead of the show, you said just about uh, uh, about resilience. And and you know, and it, it seems to me, and I, I think Christians are always they're always in transition, you know what I mean? Always, you know, you're always <laughs> getting challenged with something, you know, the devil's always being mean to you, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and we, we joke, but really we do. The, there are a ton of challenges, and, and, and I believe God literally puts those there, you know, as to make us kings and queens, right? To make us... Stretch those muscles, right, and get out of our comfort zone, into the learning zone. And so talk about the resilience related to that. Well, there's a
2: difference between never quit determination and resilience. Determination is I got knocked down, I get up. I'll never quit. Resilience is mental toughness going through the hardship and, and ne- never not losing your focus and and wow. so a- and actually it's it, 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 the, it's so, so simple is for example, the gifts of the spirit there's nine of them eight of them are pretty clearly emotional based loving kindness, long suffering but the last one is self-control mm-hmm. And so this whole thing of... of of, I call it the 3Ds: drive. How bad do you want it? Determination, which is, I substitute that determination is resilience, and and discipline, staying focused, and, and so it, it. And you couple that with some godly character, and you, leadership gets pretty simple, because you know life is hard. So there's no way, and you know it, th- 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 No mission goes as planned. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so. Yeah so so it's staying steady not losing perspective. I mean I would I would call it having the foundation of hope. To me, I mean as, as Christians mm-hmm. we we got a ginormous anchor in, in our you know in our world and it's and it's called hope that we have a God with we have plenty of promises. We have lots of reasons to believe that that we that we're going to win or we're going to succeed and the reasons to continue on and and to to continue to stretch, you know, and and it's hope. It's this hope message and so, you know, it's, it's time for this. And, and, and let's, as Christian leaders, let's press through, let's grind through the challenges, right? And let's eat them up. Yum, yum. Or eat them up, right? Like, yeah. like Caleb said, you know, uh, you know, there'll be bread for us. There's giants in land. Everybody's terrified. And the two guys said, they're bread for us, right? Yeah. Yum, yum. Right. Eat it up. And so let's eat up our giants this week. Amen? Let's have Amen.
0: them close us in prayer. All
2: right, man. Do it, Les. Gracious Father, we thank you. We thank you for for all the blessings you have bestowed upon us, but we we, we thank you for the gift of your Son. Lord, we thank you that um, you have given us so many reasons for faith, Lord. So I just ask that you'd continually, um, your spirit would surround us, protect us, speak to us, Lord. And, um, and Lord, I just um, ask that you, I, I ask that you would, you would grant us, and that I, I could leave everyone here with, with the Lord, your, your will to, to let us fellowship with your Spirit, so we can walk in the Spirit and, um, and have that peace of knowing that you are with us all the time. In Jesus' name, I pray.
1: Amen. 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 All right, that's Les Waller. Everybody, get his book, The Skill, and uh, we'll see you next week. God bless.